0: You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com.
1: Today's episode is sponsored by none other than Greer Amps. Yes, that Greer Amps, I'm sure you've seen their pedals before. I personally just acquired a Lightspeed, their Organic Overdrive. I really, really like that pedal. It is um, probably one of the most aptly named pedals I've ever played. Organic Overdrive. It sounds uh, exactly like that name, you know, what you would expect it to sound like. It's a really, really nice sounding pedal for uh, lower gain, uh, medium gain settings, and it'll uh, push your amp in all the right ways. So check out Greer Amps. They've got a a ton of super cool sounding dirt boxes, not to mention the Black Tiger Delay. I don't even know. They have so many things. They, I need to go on their website and check them out again. It's been a while. I think Greer's been up to some serious shenanigans lately. So yeah, GreerAmps.com. Enjoy. Hello everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Tone Mob podcast, the show about guitar tone and the people behind it. I'm your host, Blake Wadden, and with me today, I have somebody who you may not think about uh, being an important part of the guitar gear collecting process, and this guy is named Hank Failing, and he manages Old Town Music here in Portland, Oregon. How you doing, man?
0: Hey, how's it going, man?
1: Pretty good. It's what? It's uh, Boxing Day today? Is that what yeah. they call today? I think
0: it's officially Boxing Day.
1: <laughs> I don't have any boxing planned. <laughs> um today so I feel like I'm letting everyone down including yeah. Rocky
0: <laughs> yeah I don't know if it's like boxing like you know punching or if it's like boxing like you're getting rid of all your Christmas
1: boxes <laughs> that's probably more <laughs> accurate which in that just... case I, I might do that today
0: yeah they should just call it recycling day that'd be make <laughs> way more sense <laughs> it's
1: basically the same thing right
0: yeah yeah <laughs>
1: nice Well, yeah, I thought uh, we've been trying to make this happen for a couple months. Um, I know you was off in Europe and doing some other things, but I thought it would be really interesting to get, I don't know, I think people sometimes don't think about the um, person behind the counter at the music store as being as important to their purchasing process as it is. I mean, a lot of people buy online, but a lot of people still come to the store and they say, hey, Hank, what's up? Uh, What about this new, you know jhs whatever and you know you kind of have to stay up and 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 know what you're talking about and i thought it'd be interesting to kind of get your side of the story Um, yeah probably a Uh, best way to start uh would be to just kind of go through your musical backstory and your history with with old town and and go from there
0: okay um well i play guitar and i play bass um I love playing with synths and drum machines and stuff like that, too. And I love pedals. Um, But I've worked at Old Town Music for this year. In 2017, will be um, 20 years. Um, And I started out as just like a customer of Old Town Music. um, And formerly, when it was called Denny's Music. Um, And... Basically, I just love gear and playing around with it, and I love selling stuff to people just because selling people gear is fun, and it's almost like a, uh, sort of like I get to be, like, I get to buy the gear because I'm helping the people buy it and everything like that. So, you know, I always loved pedals and amps and just making noise and doing crazy stuff, and gear is just fun, you know what I mean? And so it's fun to kind of um, be the guy that's sort of the uh, uh, the surrogate uh, purchaser, if you know what I mean. So like, somebody comes in and they're like, "Oh, like, I really want to get into recording." And it's like, "Well, what do you? What's your computer?" Oh, I've got like a MacBook, and it's like, "Dude, yeah, let's get you like this interface." And what are you doing? Like, okay, let's get you this like vocal mic, and then they're all excited and. I know how it is when, like, I love gear and love to record and do stuff, and I just love it when uh, it's fun to, like, help people buy stuff, you know what I mean?
1: Right. Because you know what it's like to be on the other side of the counter
0: also. And, you know, we always, like, try to kind of think about, like, making sure somebody's experience is good and positive, because, you know, we've all been to, like, stores where we're like, God, that guy was a total jerk, and it's like what's the point (laughs) there's no point Mm -hmm. in being a jerk at the guitar store because it's just like dude you work at a guitar store that's pretty awesome it's not like you're like the asphalt guy you know doing road maintenance that's right that's that's a pain at least it seems like it's a pain to me um every guitar store person should be, like, happy. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> That's how I feel about it.
1: Right. Like, you're yeah. you're in a guitar store, the place that people get excited to go, and you get yeah. to go there every day.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, th- that being said, like, dealing with human beings can be a drag, and you're just like, yeah, whatever, dog, and, you know. <laughs> but, and that happens. Um, but at the same time, it's like, you. I've done this long enough where I've been, like, at, like, you know, Ten different places emotionally with it, so I'm, and the conclusion I have gotten is like, be happy that you work at a guitar store. It's awesome <laughs> right. so so that always helps me through the day, if, like somebody's kind of a wanker or something like that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's true uh it's just funny because like i I was telling you before we actually started recording I, I sit down out here to to record, and I was like, oh, let me set my you know coffee down I was like oh i I bought that amp from you." And then I look over here, and it's like, oh, I bought that Marshall cabinet from you. And I'm like, look at my pedal cabinet. And I'm like, I bought, you know, a a third of that from you guys. Yeah. (laughs) uh, I I, I mean, there's a couple different stores I go to in town. But, like, my go-to has always been Old Town since, I don't know, probably eight years ago or so. It's just like, how do you go about... So, yeah, the atmosphere is one thing. Everybody's always really cool and chill in there for the most part. And, uh, um, But you also seem to have just – I always have to go in there and just see what's in stock because like, there's always something yeah. cool and new and interesting. It's not always this – it's never the same experience walking in. So how do you keep the inventory fresh and how do you, like, constantly have cool stuff because other stores can't seem to do that?
0: Well, it's – I think it's also, there's a couple things going on. One, you have to be open-minded to all kinds of gear. You can't just be like, if somebody walks in with like a cello, you can't necessarily be like, no, we're not a cello store. You got to be like, okay, I'm going to buy that cello for cheap and sell it for cheap, even though we're not like a cello store. We're going to make this like a super awesome deal on a cello. And then when somebody comes in and is like, I think I want to get it. Or they see a cello for like 75 bucks. They're like, oh, we should just get that. And then what you're kind of doing is you're like giving musicians stuff for really cheap so that they can do stuff cheaply and be more creative, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. But that one angle is basically kind of saying not saying no to gear. Um, The other angle is we go out on these road trips. So Pat Rice, who owns the shop, Pat's owned the shop for like 20 years now. Bought it from Denny Handa. Um, Denny had the store since 1964, like off and on. So we've got this long lineage dating back about 50 years. Um, But Pat's got this huge panel van. And in the panel van, we can put like over 100 guitars and probably like 30 amplifiers, which is nutty. And so he'll drive out in the middle of nowhere, go to other guitar stores, pawn shops, We'll talk to people on Craigslist. Just whoever's got something, as long as we can make some money on it um, and make it worth like putting gas in the tank, um, Mm -hmm. we'll like get a ton of stuff. So say about three times a year, Pat will come in, um, he'll do a whole week or so, and then the shop is just loaded. And if you have more things for people to buy, then they're going to bring you more stuff to trade in. So we do like tons of trades, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like. A guy will be like, oh, I want to get a Blue Sky from Strymon. And then they'll bring like eight pedals, you know. And then we've got eight more used pedals. Um, mm-hmm. And then we have a ton of used stuff. And then a guy like you comes in and is like, oh, yeah, it's a used Digitech, like, reverb sweet." Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's like this cycle where if you can kind of keep this cool cycle going where, like, you know, you're always trading with people and people are always trading stuff in then it sort of like keeps the gear going and then like it just keeps the place flowing and then we're sort of in the middle of that making money and making a living which is awesome um mm-hmm. and so it's kind of like it's like over the years we've sort of like you know made it so that our customers can trade things in and out really easily um and make customers know that that, that they can trust us and then we're not going to try to rip them off and we've got a really like solid way that we do trade-ins and um, you know, we just are like, Hey, we'll give you 60% of what we'll sell it for on trade-in and then tell them what we're going to sell it for. And then people don't feel like they're getting jacked around. Um, Right. We try not to do that thing where it's like, well, what do you want for it? It's like, you know, you never want to be like, you don't want to ask too much for something when you're trying to sell something, you don't want to ask too little. It's kind of nicer just to have an expert just, just be like, it's worth this much. this is what we're gonna sell it for, and we'll give you this much and Then they go, Oh, okay, that seems fair And then when they come in, they see that you put what you said you're gonna put on it, and then they know that they can just trust your word and they'll just if you tell them something's awesome, they'll believe you. you know what I mean like that that's just a trust is a pretty important thing
1: mm-hmm. yeah, it's a it's a, actually a classic marketing thing is that you're supposed to try to develop trust with your customers. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> I'd say that you've done a really good job with that so far. No, thanks, And I've man. experienced, you know, I've experienced that firsthand. Um, I mean, the last thing I came in there and bought was uh, the uh, uh, that old uh, 56 Martin for my yep. dad. Yep. Um, the family, you know, we pooled our money together and got that for him for his 50th birthday. And, yes. But at the same time, it was like, I was a little bit hesitant, because I thought it was awesome, and I thought yeah. it played really good and sounded beautiful, but it's totally not something he's ever asked for, or or expressed interest in, in any way, you know, he, he te- he's always wanted, like, a J45, but I was like, this guitar is just so cool, and I, I remember kind of telling you guys, like, it's so cool, but I don't know if it's his thing, and... Um, it ended up being his thing, but you guys were like, "Well, listen, if he doesn't <laughs> like it, he can just come bring it back. It's no big deal." Yeah, yeah. and uh, I was like, "Okay, well, yeah. then it's there's no risk there." Whereas yeah. some other stores would be like, "Well, t- see you later. You bought it, you know." Yeah,
0: there's there's a theory over the years that I've gotten from that, and like because I've been doing this for 20 years, uh, well, almost 20 years, it's kind of like I've had all these different theories and luckily i've done it so long that i i've figured out i think where the wrong things are and the right things are and it's if you do the if you think of this as a store if you're like if you let people bring things back because it wasn't the right thing for them and just not worry about whether that sale happened or not what happens over time is all of their favorite gear came from your store and so like you know it, it it's sort of subjective whether this guitar or that pedal is going to be the right thing for the right person. Um, and you know, if you're flexible with people, then all their good stuff's going to be from you and they're going to view you as the good store. Um, right. <laughs> yeah. Which is cool. You know what I mean? And, and that's what we want. Um, because if we're like the good store, when you want to sell like that SG standard and you could put it on Craigslist or you could take it to like eight other stores you're going to take it to us because you trust us, and then you also view us as the place that wants that stuff. Yeah. Um. And so then that helps bring in more gear for us, which is super cool. I mean, the easiest way for us to get gear is when people sell it to us or trade it to us because then we don't have to hustle. We don't have to, like, go out of our way to find it. We're already at the shop. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's, it's just – yeah, your customers are supplying you with your inventory, which yeah. – is super handy, yeah. and helpful. Um one thing too um that I've noticed it's like you guys are I've been in some other stores, ironically one that's no longer around. Mm. Um and it was like, "Hey man, uh, I really am interested." In particular, there was a store in that is no longer in existence mm. that uh there was a a, a 65 Jazzmaster mm. up on the wall. And that's okay. exactly what I was in the market for at the time and still kind of am. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I was like looking actively for a vintage Jazzmaster and I was like, that one looks awesome. Okay. Uh, You know, can I play that? And they go, the guy goes, we don't let people play our vintage guitars. Yeah. Uh, and I was like,
0: it's that one story So you that expect
1: you're... me to drop... Yeah. Uh, they had it way overpriced too. Yeah. Do you expect yeah. me to drop that much money and I don't get to touch the guitar first? No. Yep
0: no that's just (laughs) i just think that's a bad business it's that one store that you're talking about that closed down like in the last year right
1: yeah a year or two years ago or something like that yeah Mm -hmm.
0: so yeah the one thing those guys would do and we used to be right next to them um they i hate this because this is the thing you shouldn't do i think is like hey the guy goes customer goes Can I play that? And let's say it's a $2,000 guitar. As a salesman, you're like a little worried somebody's going to ding something up, especially if it's a Mm -hmm. new thing, which I can understand that. But you got to let people play the guitars. You got to let them fall in love with it or else they're not going to buy it. These guys used to be like, well, let me see your money. (laughs) It's just like, dude, that is really offensive. And, And also just like if you have something for sale, people need to be able to play it. And then the other angle is, even if they aren't going to play it, if they're being respectful and they respect you and the gear and everything, uh, it's kind of like, let them play it. (laughs) Let them know what a 65 Jazzmaster is like so that people have opinions of certain kinds of gear because I think that's kind of important. Um, But yeah, that kind of attitude in a store is, is, is a bummer. And, you know, I've been to plenty of stores like, in town or out of town where that happens and it's a real bummer and it's like why does that have to happen <laughs> you know
1: well and it, it's yeah. weird too but because all the 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 best stores that i've been in yeah um mostly the, the only real reference points i have for that would be portland and nashville because yep. when i went to nashville we made a point to visit all the stores yep but there, the the good stores all had a thing in common they all had great stuff yep and the people there were like yeah uh, here's here's the thing play it enjoy it like yep you know I at, at your store I played like a 54 gold top for an oh, hour yeah and
0: yeah. uh, oh, no, it was a 52 gold top
1: <laughs> it was a 52 was
0: I a think 52? so yeah yep yeah yep
1: yeah, yeah. yeah well, it was like three years ago but then yep. like, that guitar was awesome and it was like I just want to play that I'm not yep. gonna I'm not gonna buy it but I really want to play it you're like yep tear yep. it up yep and you know I'd go to uh carter's vintage in nashville and you know had all these old big muffs and all these like vintage maestro fuzzes and all this stuff and they just pulled them all out of the case yeah sent me in the back room let me jam on them i mean uh just
0: (laughs) the stuff's gotta get used you know what i mean like if if you have a vintage guitar that's really cool and it just doesn't get played it's gonna start playing like crap you know what i mean and Mm -hmm. if it gets played every day for like half an hour or more it's gonna have a warmth to it so that, like, let's say it's a $10,000 guitar, if that thing, like, plays like it's dead, like, the guy who's got 10000 bucks who really knows what's going on is going to be like, eh, maybe I'll wait on this thing, but if, like, the first string note that he hits is freaking awesome because, like, it's been played every day for half an hour, he's going to be like, all right, I'm going to buy this thing, and then he throws the mm-hmm. MX card on the counter. Um, so it's kind of like, I think things need to be played, you know what I mean, they're made of wood in are Well, the guitars are. And, like, mm-hmm. they're, like, kind of alive. You know what I mean? And if they don't get played, I think they just sort of die and fizzle a little bit.
1: Yeah, I think there is something to that. And there's also just, like, the simple point of if somebody's putting their hands on it every day, you know, at some point somebody's going to come and be like, yeah, you know what? Uh, the neck on this thing's all bowed. Yep. Whereas you don't have time to play every guitar in the yeah. store every day. So it's like somebody will go like the neck on this thing's all messed up, can you, you might want to adjust it? And then like <laughs> like you're not gonna get that if you don't let people touch the thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So um customer feedback I guess is is pretty crucial in yeah. you might, that regard.
0: Yeah, you might find that maybe like there's a fret that's high or needs to be dressed down or something like that. And it's a it's a bummer when somebody looks at something and they're like, I'm gonna buy that and then they play it and then they change their mind. That mm-hmm. sucks as a salesperson, and you can feel that. Like when you see him, you're like, "Oh, that guy's gonna totally buy it." And then he, they play it for two seconds. They're like, eh, "This sucks," and then like they <laughs> put it back on the rack, and you're like, "Oh man, I, if that guitar had played right, like that guy would have bought it like that, and it would have mm-hmm. been sold."
1: <laughs> do do customers? Uh, <clears throat> I I think I already know the answer to this, <clears throat> but do customers get that like get a look in their eye when they see a thing they've been like eyeing or thinking about, and they're just like, "Ooh."
0: You can usually tell, like, when somebody's going to pull the trigger on something, like, pretty mm-hmm. quickly. Like, usually, like, right away. Um, just because people are, like, you can tell in their eye and their face, like, they're like, I want that. That would be awesome. And, and uh, which is always fun. It's just fun when people want to buy stuff. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm still kind of kicking myself over that old uh, k uh hollow body that had the three like uh the three pickups in it here like six months ago that i didn't i played it for like an hour and i really wanted yeah. it yeah
0: was that the one with the decided sp- to speed bump pickups in it or was it a yeah. okay
1: yeah yep had the speed bumps and i was like so in love with it and then i made the responsible decision for once <laughs> in my life and didn't buy it and now i'm still mad about it <laughs>
0: well you know how it is with us we get stuff in all the time like i'm sure we'll get like another k speed bump in sooner versus later
1: one thing i i would like to put since since i've complained about it so many times (laughs) on the internet but never directly to you and Mm. it's not a complaint about you it's my Mm, own mm. fault um if you ever see this guitar come back through Mm. if you would snag it and let me know Mm. uh I traded to you, so I bought that 1965 Melody Maker probably three years ago or so. Okay. Um. Uh, to, the one of the two two pickup ones, double cut. Okay. Uh, really like that guitar. But what I did is I traded <clears throat> a partial trade for this, um, probably late 60s uh, Japanese short scale thing. Uh, hmm. It was labeled Marquee. Okay. And it had a giant headstock and uh, four pickups. Mm. And all these switches and stuff, and ever since I did that, I went back to buy the guitar back because I was like, I should have just ponied up the extra money. It wasn't yeah. that much money, yeah. Uh, and it's gone, <laughs> and I have n- never been able to find it. I think it sold on Reverb here a while back, uh, huh. and I missed it. But if that thing ever comes back through, I want it back badly. Okay, and I could probably identify it as the same one just from body scratches and stuff
0: (laughs) do you remember if it had like did it have gold foils on it or did it have those like funky looking like strato pickups on it and whatnot
1: that's it was like yeah it wasn't gold foils it was these weird like strat style pickups but they didn't sound anything like a Strat pickup
0: yeah yeah
1: um but yeah and and they were all microphonic so you could like scream in it with a bunch of fuzz and it sounded awesome
0: (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) those are cool yeah, it, that's how it goes. Like, if you're buying and selling gear, there's going to be, like, four or five things over the course of your life that you're going to be like, why did I sell that? I mean, mm-hmm. I remember 20 years ago when I got rid of a Japanese Jaguar to buy, like, a Paul Reed Smith. And I'm not a Paul Reed Smith guy. That was just, like, a dumb move. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm like, a Fender, Fender-y fender Fender kind of guy. And... Like some dude brought it into the shop actually like maybe three years ago. Oh, whoa. And he was talking about putting it on Craigslist and I was like, Oh yeah, I'll totally buy it. And then like, I was kind of like being a little on the cheap side. I should have just told him like, whatever you want, I'll buy it. Like, Mm -hmm. and then if he said something ridiculous, I'd be like, Oh man, that's so much more than what I can spend. Um, but I was trying to be a little cheap and be like, Oh, maybe I'll get a good deal on this. Um, but then he just sold out Craigslist or something else. He was, like, moving to the East Coast. But now it's gone. And, but, you know, things change, you know. That's the one thing I've noticed is, like, be, like, glad with the gear that you do have. If it's gear that, like, inspires you to make music. Um, mm-hmm. And sometimes the gear that you had back in the day that you wish you had, like, wouldn't do the same thing for you as it would, like, right now. You know what I mean?
1: that makes sense
0: yeah it's sort of like you change it's kind of like if you think of it like your girlfriend or significant other you're like when i was 20 like if i was 35 and had that same girlfriend it'd be totally messed up but at 20 it was perfect (laughs) (laughs) you know what i mean (laughs) so it's kind of like that for me with gear like like but i'm glad with i'm glad with i'm glad that i have what i have you know what i mean but there's a few pieces Absolutely. I'm bummed that I let go. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, that was, like, my lesson. And now, you know, of course, that this is probably a bad thing, but it's, like, turned me into a hoarder. I'm like, I can't get rid of anything ever because, like, yeah. I, I got rid of that one guitar that one time and I'm mad about it. Now I just, like, ha- I just like had to build, you know, this studio that I'm sitting in right yeah. now, this little shred shed, just because it was like, well, this bedroom's full. Wait. Well, I can't get rid of anything because I'm a hoarder and I have to keep everything. And now I'm sitting here in this building. That
0: do you have an outdoor building I... outside of your house for music stuff? Yes. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs>
1: and it was originally yeah. intended to be like a you know place to do some homebrewing and, and like recording and stuff. And, and the recording and, and stuff will probably still happen eventually. Yeah. But like I got everything moved out here and yeah. went... There's no room, there's no way I'm going to be able to do homebrew out here also. So it's just become a music area. um, Which has worked out really well with doing all this Tone Mob stuff because it's given me a place to actually be able to ring things out the way they're supposed to be. You know, like turn the amps up and get everything cranking, which I couldn't really do in my bedroom. So it's actually been a good thing.
0: Well, and like, because like Tone Mob is like, a thing that you do and thing that people know about, it's kind of nice to have that like in a separate little room, in a separate little house outside of your house and outside of your life. So, like, kind of psychologically, you step into one door, you're doing this other thing, you step out of that door and you're doing something else.
1: That's true. Yeah. It's true. It's also made my wife extremely happy <laughs> to not have to hear my banging and clanging and yeah. <laughs> fuzz all the time. Yeah. She was subject to. All the time for a a good while before this was built. (laughs) Nice. Uh, But yeah, so I know, excuse me, Mm. you've, you've been kind of involved in the music scene here for a long time too, doing various things and various projects. Like recently you did a thing for Voodoo Donut which most people know about. Yeah. So you talk about that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, there's voodoo donut, which is, you know, a crazy donut store in Portland, a really fun place to visit. Lots of wild stuff. Uh, they have a record label called voodoo donut recording and, um, they do a lot of vinyl stuff. Um, in the past, I had my own record label, uh, for about maybe six or seven, well, more like six years. Um, called failing records failing records was uh, a label that i started to basically just make compilation albums of portland bands so i used to do these double cd discs that were made up of all portland bands and it would have like you know like 40 to 45 bands on it and then we'd sell them for like seven to ten bucks depending on what time uh it started out as a seven dollar thing and then i bumped it up to ten because i was like making no money at it um, and I've been buds with the guys that do voodoo donuts and, uh, Jay, uh, was running the label and he was a friend of mine. And, um, I was like, and after I stopped doing the failing records, I was like, man, if you guys ever want to do like a comp or something, I would love to put it all together. And then maybe we sell it through all the voodoo donuts. And I mentioned it to Jay a couple times and then we're sort of like, well, let's get together let's do breakfast or let's do a beer or something like that. And, um, so basically we put out a single disc, um, with I think 22 or 23 bands on it all from Portland. And then we're selling it for nine 99 at all the voodoo donuts, uh, and online. You can also download it too. Uh, so what we want to do is make it into a yearly thing that we do where, um, there's a compilation that happens every year. We'll do an all ages kind of all day festival thing where, bunch of the bands that are on the compilation album play um there's voodoo Two, which is over um, out in southeast which has a huge parking lot and that's the perfect place to do it um so to me it's really important for there to be like free all ages shows happening in the summertime because i remember being a teenager in portland and seeing like you know tons of rad portland stuff and like you know uh you know seeing, like, Elliot Smith's old band, uh, Heat Miser and stuff like that, and Hitting Birth mm-hmm. and Hazel and all those guys. Um, and when I was a kid, a teenager, those are the things that, like, super, super inspired me. And, like, the reason why I do music now and the music reason why, like, I've worked at a guitar store for so long is things that I did when I was uh, in high school. And it, most of it was either really cheap or really free. Um. So those kind of things are important to me, uh, making a compilation is important to me too, because what it kind of does is it, um, kind of like puts all those bands in a time capsule. And let's say in like a hundred years when we're all gone and nobody's going to know anything about these bands, um, cause they weren't like huge top 40 bands. Um, There's only going to be limited ways because if all of our information is so like, um, let's say everything's saved information wise, like all the music is saved. It's like, how do you bookmark something to say, take a look at this if there's like a billion bands to listen to? Right. So if you do a comp like that, um, at least it's like a little bit of a, you know, a bookmark sticking up in the air that says, take a listen to this. And so the people that get put on there, hopefully in the long run, like, people are going to hear that stuff, you know, and be like, oh, that's what it sounded like in, like, year 2016 in Portland, Oregon. Um, or at least that's one thing that was happening. Um, right. And so to me, that's all kind of important stuff. It's like building a history book. Um, and so hopefully it's something we're going to do every year with Voodoo. And, and Voodoo's, like, loves doing stuff that's outside the box. Um, you know, they're not, like, a normal, like, Starbucksy kind of place. They're, like, the complete opposite. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, so it's great to work with those guys.
1: So I, I have a question. Since you're kind of exposed on a much more concentrated level because you're doing this to, like, the local scene, are you noticing any trends um, in in bands around here in particular? Like, I've just kind of sort of noticed at least and i'm i'm kind of biased because this is where my own band lies but seems like we're in this big 90s throwback whether it's a bunch of grunge style bands coming back or whatever the case may be it just seems like right now in portland the thing is to be a 90s style band i don't know if that's accurate or not but i know it is for my band and i've seen a few (laughs) others that fit that bill as well are you seeing that at all
0: i don't know i'm sort of like my vibe on it is I don't think people are necessarily consistently all going in the same direction. I think it's more like, I don't know, it's sort of hard for me to, like, I kind of grew up with music in the 90s, so to me, like, I guess maybe it's harder for me to hear 90s throwback, if you know what I'm saying, Mm -hmm. Um, just because, like, maybe... Maybe that's where my head is at. I don't know. So, like, it's hard for me to hear the difference in a way. And and, and other people have mentioned this to me. I think it's people that are maybe a little bit younger that didn't necessarily, um, you know, they were maybe too young to go out and do stuff or, or weren't into music when all that stuff was happening. Um, so I think it's easier for those guys to, like, hear stuff as 90s throwback. Uh, I mean, how I always do things when I put things on the comp, it's not about, like... it it, it's like what excites me and um if it all sounds like synth rock or if it all sounds like punk or metal then that's what it is um Mm -hmm. and i think what's happening in portland is i think there's like an insane amount of stuff happening and i think it's just a matter of like uh just, just seeing it, you know what I mean. There's just it's there's an overwhelmingly amount of there's an overwhelming amount of stuff in Portland. I mean, I think I kind of like did like this math equation trying to figure out how many bands are in Portland, and I think like I don't even know, oh, probably geez. like two thousand or so. <laughs> yeah. So like it's it's and it's probably even more than that, honestly. I mean, people move to Portland all the time that are and they want to come here and do music. The, the the only thing kind of bums me out when people move to Portland is they say they want to move here for the Portland sound. And to me, that just seems really weird. Um, like, I don't really feel like there's a Portland sound to me. So I sort of feel like when somebody says that, maybe they're chasing something um, that doesn't exist. I don't know, at least to me. Um,
1: um, yeah, as... It's as much as I said there's this this 90s throwback thing yeah. I still don't know that that necessarily means it's the Portland sound. I don't know what that means either. Yeah, it um,
0: it sort of worries maybe, me too because when somebody's sort of chasing something um moving to a place to chase something that's sort of like okay like I don't know if that's like the thing you should have done. I sort of feel like as a musician you should be um you know you should chase something that's inside you and be like and sort of like build up this like stoke this manic creativity in yourself and then press record you know what i mean um
1: yeah that's i don't know i don't know i i mean i i could imagine moving somewhere to be more inspired yeah um i I could also imagine just drive you know deriving inspiration from simply being somewhere yeah. you know I, well for instance like uh my buddy leon who runs pelican noise like yep. he visited new york city and was super inspired and yep. wrote a song that's on our album yep. about that particular you know time yep so i think you can get inspiration from places but as far as moving somewhere to chase the sound seems odd
0: yeah um, and I, th- I sort of feel like I've had multiple people t- tell that to me and they're sort of like, it always seems like it's sort of people that are like, Oh, I moved from Brooklyn or I moved from San Francisco or whatever. And they're kind of like, I moved here to get the Portland sound. And it's kind of like, you should move here if like the rent is cheap or if you like the weather, um, <laughs> you know, or if you're like one of your best friends just moved up here. Um, um, it just seems weird to me. Like if I moved to Detroit to get the Motown sound, it'd be like, no, I would move to Detroit because houses are like 25 bucks. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, it's like, so, uh, I, I don't know. It's, but you know, I, I can't necessarily judge anybody for what their creative process is because if they get the result or if they get a result that they're happy with, then I can't really say anything bad about it. You know what I mean? Cause mm-hmm. I don't know. Music is awesome. <laughs> it's like, oh, I, story. I definitely don't want to crap on anybody's lo- awesomeness.
1: Right. I I wonder if maybe like maybe there is a sound that we're not really yeah. hearing because we're too close to it, like you said.
0: I I think you're probably right. And you know, had like you know, we had never if we had never lived here, if we'd never grown up here, if we'd never visited, there's probably a consistent sound that sounds cool to us that um we feel like that we would feel like is in the portland water um you're probably right <laughs> well i don't know it's yeah, just yeah,
1: yeah that's yeah. gotta be something but to yeah. me like uh the decembris blitz and trapper and mm. red fang none of those bands sound the same to me
0: yeah although chris uh, chris from uh chris funk from decembris just produced the latest red fang record
1: yes Isn't i think that... he did the last one too
0: oh no yeah you're right i think which seems insane to me. Like, I, I don't hear those guys sounding the same at all. Um, but actually, kind of gets me really excited because I'm like, wait a second. If Chris from the December is, is doing Red Fang, what's Red Fang going to sound like? That's like, <laughs> that's crazy. Um, it is. Yeah, yeah.
1: Which is why music is red.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think the consistency <laughs> that I hear from all those bands is they're all good bands. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, like exactly. Yeah, yeah. and and they all make they're all making good sounding music to me. And um, I don't think it's like a filter or a microphone issue. I think it's a just people making good music. My, my,
1: yeah, I yeah. I would agree that other than that, I know they're all from Portland. Yeah. Uh, I just simply like all those bands. So that's, (laughs) but I don't think there's any consistency in sound, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe people would listen to that and say, no, there's this weird thing that you guys, they all do. I don't know.
0: It it could be that maybe there's like a, there could be something in the process. Maybe they're doing things a little bit more analogy and, you know, maybe they don't do the same kind of high production that a lot of mainstream stuff kind of does. If you know what I mean? Like with Mm -hmm. the way things are like compressed a certain way. And it could be that, like, I mean, Portlanders do tend to be kind of somewhat traditionalists. So, you know, if it's their coffee or their pizza or their donuts, um, they're going to go the kind of traditional route or the old school route in general. Um, And I sort of. Or at
1: least very inspired by that process. Yeah.
0: Like, the general Mm -hmm. consensus in Portland with amplifiers is that tubes are good. Um, And There's people that definitely play solid states and are making awesome music, but it could be that, you know, things like that kind of stuff maybe adds to the Portland sound, you know what I mean? Um,
1: Could be. Yeah. It it could be, too, that we're just a very, like, rock town, like, in general, and as far as, like, most mainstream-sounding things these days aren't that way. Yeah. So... Maybe that, I don't, I don't have any idea, but like, it's, 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 I feel the same way about back in the day when there was the Seattle sound. Yeah. I I didn't, there was like an aggression and dirt and fuzz all kind of involved, but those bands don't necessarily sound the same to me. Yeah. I don't think Soundgarden sounds like Nirvana. Yeah. But maybe I'm wrong.
0: Well, it's kind of like this, when Soundgarden and Nirvana got mainstream popular, meaning like people in middle America or people that were watching MTV knew about it. Um, it sounded completely different than all the hair metal crap that was going on. And mm-hmm. I mean, I shouldn't say hair metal crap because there's people who appreciate that. Um, anyways, long story short, it be fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Me personally, like I can't like, I'm not into like shreddy shred stuff, you know, or like Floyd Rosie kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, And so like me, like I wasn't really, I just didn't really like music. Like I had, you know, the White Album and I had Devo Freedom of Choice and I had Jan and Dean, which was like, you know, Beach Boys style stuff. And that was like the three Mm -hmm. albums I had. And then I didn't really like music other than than those three tapes uh, until, um, oh wait, I think I had Public Enemy. I was kind of into Public Enemy. I had a couple of like those. But anyways. I didn't really like music until I heard uh, like a bunch of stuff coming out of Seattle, like Nirvana, like when kind of bleach kind of came on the scene. And then nevermind like when that happened and people were showing it to me and it was like, Whoa, I'm, I'm going to do music. (laughs) This is cool. (laughs) Um, And before that it was sort of like going to Portland things, you know what I mean? Um, But I think that just like, the production and the style and like, you know, the the fact that you could kind of like, you know, kind of like with your voice, you know, was kind of a new mm-hmm. thing. And, and the sound of the distortion was different. And like, you didn't have to be an articulate guitar player to be a good guitar player. Um, I think those sort of things were sort of what the Seattle sound kind of was. And that, like, that was acceptable. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um yeah
1: <laughs> which good thing for me because i am not an articulate guitar player yeah. at yeah as I mean, you've heard
0: no no it's totally cool i'm not judgmental i mean the, the only thing that like annoys me is when people sort of like you can you can hear them playing their music um but you can hear that they're kind of just playing to themselves versus the imaginary band in their head and mm-hmm. i think people should be thinking big picture when they're playing their music like imagine this band in your head while you're playing um and when you sort of hear people just wanking and sort of like listening to themselves only it's sort of like i don't know there's something that's just sort of like not inspiring about that and that's when i'm sort of like ugh, great i gotta listen to this guy Um, But (laughs) and yeah you know what i mean but you know i'm sure i wink and listen to myself too but it's just sort of like um i sort of think like the best people that i've heard when i hear people like try out gear and stuff like that tend to be the ones that sort of have this like there's a whole another band happening um in their head and they're sort of that one little piece um making it awesome in their own mind and you and if they're making it awesome in their own mind, it's sort of like, it just sort of sounds awesome by itself. But, yeah.
1: That's why when I come in, you only hear me play one note. That's
0: <laughs> it, <the whole> time. <laughs> You're just doing that one just, little rhythm part.
1: Yeah, just, now, just that one note. Just don't, just, it's not because I'm a terrible guitar player. It's yeah. because I'm playing to a band in my head. That's what yeah, I'll just tell yeah, everyone yeah, from yeah, now yeah. on. Yeah. Thanks for giving me that excuse. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I try not to be too, no, you ju- I try not to be judgmental because it, it's, you know, we're just the guys selling people stuff. I shouldn't be too like, you know, judgmental on what somebody else plays. It's, it's not really our place to do that. You know, um, mm-hmm. it's, I mean, so I try not to be, I don't want to sound too judgmental when I say something like that, but, <laughs> but you know what I mean? I, I don't want to make people feel bad about what they play. But Yeah.
1: I, I don't know. It's, it, I used to be a little bit like when. In my younger days, I used to be a little bit self-conscious about the fact that I wasn't very skilled. Yeah. And now I'm just kind of like, maybe it's just being older. I'm just like, whatever, this is what I sound like, so here we go.
0: <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you one thing. It's kind of like it. we're all a lot more skilled than we think we are, is the thing. And there's also a skill in just being comfortable with what you are. And if you... It, And I think that it's, you just have to embrace yourself and that's the real skill, I think, in my opinion. It's sort of like, um, if you're just kind of like, I like what I'm doing and what I'm doing, I think is awesome. I think that's good enough. You know, I don't think you have to worry about, um, being able to, you know, play a certain song a certain way, a hundred percent, like maybe if it's somebody else's song, but just make you, you and make yourself happy with what you do. And then I think you're there, um. Cause I think otherwise you're kind of chasing something that like, doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Um, right. Yeah. And like, I'm, I'm like, I think I'm a decent guitar player, but I also like, just like what I do. So it's kind of like, if you like what you do, it sort of just doesn't matter otherwise because you're entertained and you love what you love. Um, and people have definitely been like, oh, dude, you were awesome when you did this. And it's like, oh, hey, thank you. I appreciate that. That's awesome. But if I'm, like, really happy with what I did, then then that's kind of it. You know what I mean?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I – uh, this is kind of going – we're going in a, in a strange direction, but no, I like that's it. cool. <laughs> uh, I'll, yeah. I'll, I, I've kind of, like, just, just came to the conclusion that, like, my role in any musical, like, endeavor – like, if I didn't write the song – uh, or e- even if I did, it's just like, I just try to like find what I can add yeah. to the song yeah. more so than like, I need to shred everybody's face off. No. Oh, sometimes I try to do it and I fail, yeah. but uh, I, I just like always approach it with the mindset of like, okay, this guy's doing that and that guy's doing this. Maybe I'll try to do something else. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just to fit in there. Yeah. And I think that's come from the fact that in, my band, we have three guitar players, yep. and I think we all approach it that way, and that's why we can all play, like, what might essentially be the same chord, but we have everything set so completely different that that it all fits together somehow. Yeah. I think yeah. we're just very conscious of trying to fit with each other versus overtake each other, and I think that's kind of where I try to sit as a whole with music stuff. Well... I I hope I hope I I come across that way.
0: I think that's the way to do it. When you're playing with people, like leave some openings for each other, and especially when you get comfortable enough with the people that you play music with, um, where you kind of like are all kind of psych, you know, like you're all sort of psychically connected. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Where like if you know that you leave a little part open, they're gonna hear within a nanosecond that you left that open for them, and they're gonna come in and do something. Um, or they're gonna like comp your part an octave higher or something you know what i mean um, and add mm-hmm. a little little beep on the end of it um and that's an awesome place to be with your band and like i'm sort of that way with my band uh toy boat toy boat toy boat by the way where we're all pretty good about leaving each other's space nobody's like really stepping on each other and I like being at that place. That's awesome. <laughs> We're sort of we sort of just do something and then all everybody else reacts to it in like pretty much the right way or just sort of uh we don't really like kill each other, which is awesome.
1: Mhm. Yeah, it's a it I, th- I think that's something that that it just takes creating things with the same people repetitively before yeah. you'll actually get there. Yeah. It, I know it was never like that in my early days. It was always like, who can play the coolest part? yeah uh and like kind of be the shining star of the song yeah, and um it it I mean, it wasn't fully like that, but it's what it felt like at times, yeah, and then by uh nature of doing things that way, uh, we were never very tight so yep.
0: <laughs> it's, it's part of it, I think is sort of a musical maturity that you have to get to. And you're sort of like, you're basically thinking like, you just get to a musical maturity where you don't have to be the center of attention all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's way more awesome when things are like that. It's kind of like if you went and saw like a really awesome soul band and it's like, If the lead singer is just like awesome and blowing everybody else off the stage, it's cool, but it's also really cool when the rhythm section, it goes back and forth between the soul singer blowing your mind and then the rhythm section doing a part that's just blowing your mind too. And then the horns come in and then that's blowing your mind. So it's like your eyes are doing a pinball machine all over the stage and your ears are going nuts um, Mm -hmm. versus just one person um, on a stage of like 12 people. You know what I mean?
1: I know exactly what you mean. I just yeah. had this kind of thing happen um, a little while back. I went and seen Sturgill Simpson for the mm. second time. Mm. The first time I seen him, it was super like super stripped down, like more traditional kind of hard country type of thing. Um, this time, I've never been to a concert that had that many instrument mm. solos in my life. I couldn't <laughs> believe it. Like everyone soloed, like. On every song it seemed like it was like i and it was like my head was almost spinning because i was like what is that guy doing what Mm. is that guy doing Mm. and the horns were killing it everyone was killing it and even though it was a quote unquote sturgill simpson concert Mm. um he was he did exactly that he like he let the band just like it was just ripping it was crazy Mm. i've never seen a concert like that before it was insane Mm.
0: where was that not at
1: all what i expected was Where, weird.
0: Where would you see that guy?
1: Uh I seen him the first time I seen him at Mississippi Studios. Okay. Uh during that uh chili cook off that happened? Chili cook off. Uh, a couple years ago. Oh. Yeah, they did a chili a <laughs> Portland chili cook off.
0: <laughs> that sounds awesome.
1: It was really awesome. <laughs> and he actually opened for uh he opened for Lucero. Huh. Um and then this time he came back and it was at the uh oh boy. My brain just failed. Mm. Not the Schnitz, but the other theater.
0: Um, um. Oh, the other one. I know what you're talking about. It's, um. geez, who is that? Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. I totally know. It's the Keller Auditorium.
1: The Keller Auditorium. Yeah. Yes, it was the yeah. Keller Auditorium. So a substantially bigger venue. He's gotten way more popular than the first time I'd heard about him or seen yeah. him. Um, but uh, he's actually up for a Grammy this year, which oh. is super weird and... He- I'd never expected that to happen. Well, yeah. He's, yeah, he's up for album of the year.
0: The, I don't know. The funny thing about the way things are right now, it's sort of like in some ways the music industry is kind of like so squished and kind of distorted in a way that like um, that like lots of things can kind of like become album of the year now um, because like, it's just interesting the way things are like it, it it wouldn't surprise me if like, you know, crazy albums become album of the year. You know what I mean? Um, everything is just insanely accessible these days and Mm -hmm. things move so quickly. And in some ways things are so decentralized from a promotional aspect. Whereas, you know, 20 years ago, things were kind of very centralized. Um, I mean, you could, I mean, like any one of our bands could make an awesome album at home by ourselves um, and then put it out there and then start touring. And then if everybody picks up on that album, I mean, it could become like the best album of the year, um, which is pretty That's awesome. That's true. Yeah. I it's, mean, it's,
1: it's the control has been taken back a little bit yeah. on some levels.
0: It's hard to make um, money, but at the same time, like everything's <laughs> completely accessible now, which is kind of awesome. But
1: yeah, it and that's something that I've talked about, like with the I. I don't know if you know, but I do another podcast mm. um, fairly regularly with the Brian Wampler called uh, Chasing Tone. Oh, okay. And we've talked we've talked about that one that subject a lot about like how do you make money uh, as a musician, which ironically neither of us make money as a musician but yeah. we have a pretty good idea of how you would go about it and it's awesome you know honestly yeah. it's a lot like running a business
0: oh no um, it's absolutely like that it's the the people that i see making a living being a musician are all kind of doing certain things they're doing certain things consistently to each other and what they're doing is they're like they're being consistent in general um mm-hmm. so for instance <clears throat> they figure out um where they want to play and um they tour a couple times a year and they revisit the same places a couple times a year um they put out you know an album or two or something um every year they're doing stuff um mm-hmm. they're promoting consistently i mean it's just like you know with tone mob you're consistently promoting to people um and I think most businesses, that's the way it works. Like if you're consistent with people, like, you know, there was a guitar store in town. I don't know if you ever went to this place, but they're inconsistently open. <laughs> no. <laughs> and so like, and this is a little story. I don't even know if you know if it ex- exists, but, um, and it's like this with a lot of places. Like if you're like, man, it's Tuesday and your thing says you're open on Tuesday at like, you know, 11 to six and it's two o'clock and you're not here and it's like, if the third time you go to that place and it's the same exact thing, you're not going to go back the fourth time. You know what I mean?
1: <laughs> so if I have not been into this particular store unless I just got lucky and the, it, they happened to be there.
0: It's like it's right <laughs> I, next to Cattle and Bread, like a block or two away from Cattle and Bread.
1: Like, oh, no, I've never been there. Yeah. Uh, I know what you're talking about, but I've never been there.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I just like, I love guitar stores. So it's, I really love just poking in. And um, I think that, you know, like one thing that kind of made me feel like we always... we When we were a really small store, we're like 3,500 square feet right now. So we're kind of like a good medium-sized store. But we used to be mm-hmm. like 1,100 square foot, small, little dinky store. And um, the one thing that we did differently like the first couple years, actually right from the get-go when it was Old Town, was we were open seven days a week. And in Portland, um, I think all the other stores were five or six days a week open, even if they were a bigger store. Um, right. Which now sounds really crazy, right? Um, but at the time, you know, Portland was doing that thing where, like, you know, they'd be closed on Mondays. I That just drives me crazy. Um, or, like, Sundays and Mondays they'd be closed. Um, mm-hmm. But anyways, it, since we were available seven days a week um, – you know, dudes that had like a twin reverb would come by because they're like, I went to this place and they were closed and that place was closed and then you guys were here. So then we ended up getting more gear because of that, which was great. And they got more business, Mm -hmm. um, which in retrospect just seems crazy that they didn't stay open. Um, But yeah,
1: I think... Yeah, and it's... Well, and on a Sunday, too. I mean, that's most people's day off. It's like, I have time to go to a music store today, Yeah, oh, but yeah. half of them are closed. Yeah. What and,
0: the heck? And when you're doing retail, you got to kind of do, like, if everybody's normally closed on a Sunday, it's like, you should be open for retail. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. not just because it's Sunday, you should be closed. It's like, well, like, if you want your business to do well, you should be open then. <laughs> you know what I mean? So right. we try to be open as much as possible and... Um, you know, make it so we it makes sense for us. But now well, we're I'm, now we're seven days. Well, we've been seven days a week since the get go. But yeah,
1: right. Well, and that's a good point that you made because uh, when again when I visited Nashville here a while back, uh, I had a few stores I wanted to check out. One of them being East Side yep. Music in Nashville, and I just could not get there during like normal person time because we were yep. also doing like bunch of tourist stuff. Yep. And I was like, oh, they're open till. I don't know if they still are. I don't want to yeah. speak out of turn. But, yeah. like, when I was there, they were open to like, 9 o'clock on one night. Really? And I was like, That's crazy." Yeah. yeah. And I went in there, and I was like, can't believe you guys are still open. This is awesome. Yeah. And the guy that was working there was like, well, here's the deal. Like, there's lots of guitar players in Nashville. Yeah. And yep. there's people playing gigs every single night. And sometimes people go, oh, I broke a string last night, and I really need a string before tonight's gig. Yeah. You know? uh so they're like we want to be that store i was yeah. like wow that's yep. amazing so and also smart
0: <laughs> yeah yeah i mean you definitely have to think about things like you know if the store is open you're paying employees and if you got three or four employees you got to pay that it gets expensive mm-hmm. and um the other thing too is if it's at nine at night it's like people want to go home and have dinner <laughs> right <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> so like me personally like we close at six thirty, and um Oh, I know. Yeah, you know. Oh, that's right. You always—that's right. Hey, there's that guy that gets here at, at six twenty. No, yep. uh, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. No, that's cool. But
1: Hank, I need a fuzz. I need yeah, a yeah, fuzz. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and you know, if we were open till nine every night, I'm sure we would get a few more sales here and there. Um, it's been a thought. I'll, well, yeah.
1: I also don't think that, no, at least not yet. I don't yep. think Portland has the Nashville thing going on where there's literally like yeah multiple shows going every single night with you know like there's like, probably at any one time in nashville there's probably a hundred plus guitar players playing a show yeah at any given time yeah so i don't think we're there yet
0: yeah i agree i i, I think that's probably the thing it seems like it'd make more sense over there but it's still it's uh, rad totally yeah it,
1: it was cool and it yeah. allowed me to get in there and allowed me to pick up a uh Caroline Guitar Company uh Meteor Reverb and it's one of nice. my favorite reverb nice. pedals right now so it all worked out.
0: Yeah. Um I've been wanting to put in like I don't think we're ever we're, we'll ever do this, but I've always thought it'd be great to have like a uh, vending machine just full of stuff like, you know, like strings, picks, cables. I know some stores do this occasionally, but I've always wanted to have a vending machine so you, if you want to get after hour stuff and put like, you know, uh stage tuners and stuff like that and I'm like Maybe an SM58 in there, and then people can put like their credit card in and like get like a get stuff when they need it. You know what I mean? Or like earplugs and things like that. And if all the clubs know you can do that, then they'll be like, "Oh, dude, just go up the street four blocks and go get like a twenty-foot cable from those guys." Right. Um, I always thought that'd be really
1: funny. <laughs> it would be funny, and yeah. it's, that would be a very Portland thing to do.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: But it is. It's things like that that you're like, oh, man, I need this capo. Yeah. I need this cable. Like, I forgot that my patch cables went you know, south on me last yeah. gig or whatever. It's like those little stupid things you forget. You don't forget your guitar. No. But you might forget you broke your high E.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but uh, anyway, Hank, we went on and went on to things I didn't even think we were going to, but it mm-hmm. was really fun. Um, but what I, I should do... Um, before there's there's a couple things we got to do before i get to the last question that well there's one thing in particular so mm-hmm. where can everybody find old town music on the interwebs
0: okay so our website is oldtownmusicportland.com. and sweet that's our website we're on facebook we're on instagram we kind of do stuff on twitter but to be honest with you i just do not get twitter i don't understand it um i don't either i know i mean i know people do it um and um but anyways instagram facebook that's a good place to find us Um, okay and then uh if you come to portland uh just google search us or look it up on the map you'll see us we're not too far from downtown portland uh we're right on the the corner of 11th and ankeny which is just south of burnside which is the main street in
1: portland and I might be there. Yes, There's a good chance I'll be there.
0: Yeah, <laughs>
1: <laughs> if you come by,
0: come visit Blake.
1: Yes, yeah. that, actually, that was that might be a deterrent. I won't yeah. be there. Yeah, <laughs> I won't be there making racket. Yeah, uh, call ahead and I'll, they'll shoo me out the door. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, and now for the uh, the closing question, since we're we're right at that hour mark, uh, I and mean, I would be remiss if I didn't ask this, and I also don't know it in all the times mm. I've talked to you. Mm uh hank what is your favorite kind of pizza
0: pizza i think that i would go with something that has like little ground sausage balls on it that's really yummy Mm -hmm. to me um Mm -hmm. maybe pineapple would be awesome at least two other kinds of vegetables like peppers probably some olives so, like, a combo would be super rad, but definitely mm-hmm. with the little sausage balls, because that's my favorite.
1: Yeah, the little Italian sausage yeah. on there.
0: Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs>
1: is there a, uh, a since, since we're local and we can nerd out for a second, mm-hmm. is there a favorite uh, in town that you have?
0: For Portland, I don't know. Like, there's this little place called Hometown Pizza that is, like, three blocks away from my house. And I think it's my favorite only because it's right next to my house. Oh. <laughs> um, but they do like that pizza where the um, the dough's kind of on the flat side. It's not like big, cushy, like bready pizza, like, you know, like mm-hmm. Domino's and whatever places. They got that, like, real bready pizza. That stuff just, to me, that's like a bad news. I like a flatter dough pizza. And then it's like, you know, they're like a cash-only place. Like, I think it's a guy and his wife and... you know they don't take like plastic which is totally infuriating but at the same time (laughs) like that's kind of what that place is you know what i mean anyways Mm -hmm. so and then they cut it like um oh no wait that's the other place they don't cut it like that i was gonna say this one place like cuts it like little squares and stuff but that's chicago pizza or whatever it's called um but no hometown pizza it's right next to my house
1: (laughs) all right i'll have to check it out yeah yeah All right, man. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show. I appreciate it, and I'm glad we were able to finally make this happen.
0: Yeah, yeah. Thanks, man. I appreciate it.
1: Yep. All right, guys. For Hank, this is Blake, and as always, good luck and good tones. Whoa, it's 2017. Guys, it's 2017. Can you believe it? Episode 50, first episode of 2017. Wow. Wow. And NAMM's coming up. There's so much, oh, and I got all these projects I'm working on. I don't even know where to start. How am I supposed to have a decent outro when I can't even think straight? Um, I want to say thank you for an epic 2016 because it was truly incredible. I got to uh, partake in a lot of things I never would have ever thought that I would get to experience. And it's all because of you guys tuning in, hanging out, on the Facebook group, on Instagram, emailing me, tweeting, all that good stuff. I'm around. Um, Thank you so much for being part of the community. It's great. And listening to the podcast and just thank you for 2016. And 2017 is uh, shaping up to be even better. So thanks in advance for that. So take care of yourselves and have a good week. One last thing before we totally sign off here. I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com Stringjoy,